Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest this morning is Nancy Snell. She's the founder of Nancy Snell & Associates, Inc. out of New York City. Nancy is a certified, credentialed, professional business and executive productivity coach with a sub-specialization in adult ADHD. She'll be sharing her tips and strategies to be more productive. Nancy helps successful people focus, prioritize, and get things done. Wow, welcome to the show, Nancy. Yes, great to I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to hear all the information that you have for us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> um, sure. So I, as you said, I live in New York City. I've been in the business world professionally, had a career in broadcasting. I've always been in the time business uh, in one way or uh, another, one way, shape, or another for a long time. Um, now I'm in the time management productivity business, and for many years I bought and sold television time. Uh, and I think that career prepared and propelled me into what I do today. I'm, well, that's... Uh, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. I'm a stepmom. I'm a grandma. I'm a wow. married for 31 years. Um, so do a lot of have, wear a lot of different hats. Well, how did you balance all that in your early years, being a mom and a stepmom and now a grandma? How did that start? Yeah, um, I didn't even know what I was doing in my early years. It was just you know so many things coming at me all the time, and I was working full time, and my daughter was little, and um, I just did it. And I think that's where I learned a lot of the organizational skill and strategy around executing and getting things done that informs the work that I do today. So being in the biz- in a business that was very fast-paced and very demanding and very, very detail-oriented broadcasting at that time, um, you would I would have been fired, you know, or shamed into it if I if I didn't get organized. So in my case, I was able to get my act together. Well, it sounds like you did. You've done so much. I've been reading about you. I'm really excited to have you here today. Can you um, give your listeners and our listeners um, how you manage the tsunami? And we're talking about, you know, pulling everything together, emails, and we're going in a zillion directions. So you're at that point in your life and you're helping other people do this. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that? So I think I think my number one tip on how to manage the tsunami when you're being pulled in a zillion directions, and I always come back to this, is really about stop pause. And it's 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 sort of a paradox that when we're going so fast and we can't even imagine slowing down, that's the time to slow down in in order to ultimately go more quick. If that makes sense. Right. No, that that totally makes sense. We we all have so much thrown at us every day and I think stopping and pausing probably would help all of us instead of just plugging through it. Yeah, stop and pause and, and then I and I, I talk in terms of a strategy, I talk a lot about doing a brain dump. So if if you know, if in the morning or at any part at any part of the day I'm working and all of a sudden it's like bees buzzing in my head and I'm feeling like I'm going to collapse and I'm feeling so overwhelmed. That's a time to stop and do a brain dump, meaning grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, and just start writing all these things that are 
get get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper. There's something very uh, profound about doing that. And then as you pause and you look at that, it becomes really clear as to what you need to do. And, you know, so many of us today live with the shoulds and we should Mm -hmm. be doing everything. The reality is for most of us in living in scenarios like we're talking about here, it's never going to happen. Give yourself permission. Be perfectly imperfect. No one can handle, you know, 400 emails a day and manage the family and manage the work and, and pick up the phone and get, you know, tweeting and be blogging. Doing everything that we're, we're supposed to be doing, all the distraction, eruption, uh, we're not going to, not happening. No, it's, it's changed. The environment in the workplace has totally changed, whether you're working from home or in an mm-hmm. office environment. And I think pausing, and um, I love that you said perfectly imperfect. I mean, that's, we have to give ourselves a break. A, a million, because nobody mm-hmm. else is going to do it for you. And, you know, that, that's how we can empower ourselves, you know, as women, as men, as, as, as pro- business professional to, uh, to get stuff done. Because the, the, for so many of my clients, you know, the suffering is about the should and never dead. Mm-hmm. And that's a big stress and that's a big burden. You know, we're never good enough. Nothing's ever right. Not and it so probably do you think never will be. Changed? Right. Has that changed over the, what, the last um, 20 years, 15 years? Probably. A million mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, we all, you know, when, when I was selling 25 television stations and four levels of management accountability and 85 buyers and very a lot of detail a lot of you know there was a lot of uh, of screaming and there was a lot of uh, uh, you know craziness going on however it was nothing we didn't have the same interrupt we didn't have the distraction we didn't have iPhone we didn't have phones you know we didn't have cell phones right we did a lot of business you know it through conversation and meeting people and talk and physically being with people. So the whole process down completely. It was right. very different. You know, you could send something to somebody in the mail. I mean, I'm dating myself, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I don't mind. No, you know, no, because, no. Uh, it's it's a lesson that, and we got a lot done. You know, um, the 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 millennials can't even imagine, but we got a lot done. A lot, a lot of. Work. No, I agree. I remember getting our first computer in my office. And with email, and I had somebody monitoring when an email came in. And maybe there were two emails during a day. And my right. my response to that, yeah, it's it's crazy now, just crazy. Yeah, I remember sort of having to stand up for myself when email was first coming in. And, and I guess somebody would email that we had a meeting at a certain time. And we weren't in the habit of you have to check your email every, you know, second or even every day, whatever. You know, it wasn't that, that um, immediate gratification kind. Of. And I remember times where it would be like, well, we said there's a meeting. And I said, if you if you want me to be someplace or to do something, you need to come in and either tell me or put a, 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 a memo, we used to say, on my desk. You need to tell me the old-fashioned. And, um, you know, so we're we're sort of hanging on to a different way of life. Yes, the ants profound. Very, very different. And so how do you, what are your tips and strategies to manage all that? Speaking of email, back to email. You know, it's interesting with email, and, and this was not my idea, what I'm going to talk about. Um, I, I think it was David Allen, who's the time manager, uh, has the probe done. And I read about strategy that calls the two-minute, and I really love that and have been using that with a lot of my clients, and they love that. So that's what I, I'll, I'll share about it. So if you open it up and, and you're getting 60 emails, and what the tendency is to react, right, and just 
just start, you know, popping them off one at a time rather than once again pause and saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to allocate more than 2 minutes during this email session for any one email. If I can delete it or move it or answer it within 2 minutes, I take an action. If not, I keep going. Why is this so critical? Because the fifth email might be really, really important. But if you don't scan your inventory, you're never going to get to that, and you're going to miss mm-hmm. it. Does that make so sense? Do you, oh, absolutely. Do you, like, prioritize and put, like, a flag for the email, you know, whoever is more important that you should be looking for first, nope, like your boss? Not even about that. It's not even about that. It's about going through them all. Because if let's say you say okay I'm I'm going to take a half hour now and go th- and if I'm if I, you know some of them might take one second some of them might be a you know an RFP that you have to respond to but you you might just say to the person got it but you're not going to take the time to respond then that's a good example let's say you did you said oh my goodness I have to respond to that now the thirtieth email might be something really important from your boss, but you're mm-hmm. never going to see that. And then they're going to say, right. "Why? Why didn't you show up to the fill in the blank?" Right. So it's that two minute what, rule. So what um, do you think is acceptable in our today and in, in the business world as far as a response? It used to be twenty four hours. It's not anymore. I think from from what I see, and that's really it's a lot of it is determined by the culture within which you work. Mm-hmm. There are some companies who don't expect things immediately. There are some people, and I think this is great, who put out-of-office out of res, uh, autoresponders on or autoresponders saying, I will not be answering email for the next hour. If it's an emergency, here's my, my assistance number or here's my cell phone, please call me. If not, I'll respond to you, you know, at, at this time. It's almost like a, it's a tsunami, right? And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's about an individual, on an individual basis, we all have to make decisions about how we're going to handle that to sort of preserve, our, to preserve ourselves, basically. Because right. it's not getting any better and it's not slowing down. It's just getting more and more and more and more and more sane. Now, everybody wants a real-time response. That's what I found. You know, it's, it's yes, um yes. and you 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 have a, um experience and um in ADHD. So, dealing with somebody with ADHD, how would you, when you throw that into the mix, how does that how do you help your clients who have ADHD? A lot of us have that. Yeah, I mean, it's really no different. Many of my clients we don't talk about ADD or ADHD interchanges, but mm-hmm. the, the 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 behavioral changes and the intervention, for lack of a better word, is the same. The strategies are the same. Whether you know, I think a person with ADD struggles a little bit more to be consistent. It's a little bit more challenged. However, rewards are equally as great. Uh, they're just they're, there's a little bit more. Uh, gentleness that and poured over a lot of mess. I find mm-hmm. that more in the ADD code space. And who? There's how do so you? Right. And with your clients, um, who are your most? What's your target target audience with ADD and ADHD? Well, it, I, I work with today, and what I have on my website and where my business has evolved over thirty. What I say is, you don't have to be ADD to feel like it these days. And with adults, what we know is. Four to five percent of the unite of the U.S. population is ADD. That could conservatively be 12 million adults, and 80 percent of them are undiagnosed and untreated today. And many, many of which are in the wow. workplace. So it's not. I my job is not about going and diagnosing or forcing a conversation. It's about 
dealing with the behavior the behavioral challenge if somebody is disorganized if somebody is you know having a bad review because they're they're you know there's a gap between their ability and what they're performing mm-hmm. and how they're performing or wh- how they're delivering or their place is such a mess that they can't get to the x y or z and so i think with with ADD because of the shame very often it's a little it takes a little longer to really get like we don't have to live like right. any unless right do you think um ADD is evolutionary uh evolutionary meaning mm-hmm. meaning, meaning do you think it's something that we came up with in in today's world or is it something that's been you know, diagnosed or could have been diagnosed years ago. No, it was diagnosed. They used to call it actually minimal brain damage. Oh. And, and kids were put away because they couldn't sit still. So, no, I, I think, you know, probably today it's overdiagnosed and overused. That's why it's sort of in the vernacular. And people think of it as a joke. But if somebody is diagnostically, chemi- you know, wired that way, there are a lot of gifts and there are a lot of glitches. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's about body chemistry. It's not about, and it's about brain wiring. It's not a moral issue. So no. the question is, yeah, it's been around for a long time. When uh, Hallowell wrote the book Driven to Distraction about, I don't know, 19 years ago now, he sort of broke the code. Uh, and, and a lot of people began to identify. He helped a lot of people with that book because they didn't know, we didn't know what was going on. Right. But, and, and how, well, you've mentioned, um, Nancy, that you have that. I don't know if you were, you know, diagnosed or self-diagnosed, but how did that affect your early career, especially when you had a, a child? I from in my case, sometimes people say, "How is it possible that you're ADD?" I was professionally diagnosed many okay. years ago, and my early and it was an asset because for AD, there's a big spectrum of ADD that that, that mm-hmm. and I am one of the fortunate ones who functions on the very high end of the spectrum. Some people just can't get out of their own way. Fortunately, in my case, that w- is not. So therefore, even in the work, I I, I have the compassion and the understanding and uh, uh, willing and the patience and the love to bring mm-hmm. people along because I know that they don't have to live like, but I get it in my DNA because I am it. So I can sort of say things that others say. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in my case, it was we're very often able to literally many things that and some and hear people constantly say that nobody can do more than can you can't think more than that's not my case that's not the case mm-hmm. for me i literally sometimes have more than one thought going on at the simultaneously in my head so do you think men and women are different that way because that comes up all the time that you know women can multitask much better than men what's your opinion on that you know it's interesting most of my client probably but most of my clients are men. Over 13 years, I would say 75% of my clients. So that so, that yeah, we, would we do we would give prove. birth. You know, you know we <laughs> give birth, we give birth, take care. Of, you know, we, we're just wired differently, ADD or not. <laughs> now I think you we're know, giving we birth and then you know sending emails right after. Right, you know, exactly. And, and or during, and, or yeah. during, or during, or <laughs> during. I'm sure there are those that are doing it during these days. I wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise you? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. If it were back when I, I have a 14-year-old, if it were back then, I probably would be tweeting and posting, you know, Facebook pictures and all kinds of things. So how right. did this affect or, your, with your daughter, how did that affect your, the early years with you and business with your daughter? Meaning having to deal with her, having to take yes. care of her? Yes. I, you know, she was my number one priority. And I was somehow, looking back, able to do it all. 
uh, in that way, that I, I was there for tutors and to advocate for her and to find out, because when she was diagnosed, she was eight, nine, eight or nine, second grade, and she is 29. So wow. in those days, nobody self ever heard of this or knew anything about it. And we were in the preeminent public school in New York City and Manhattan on the, mm-hmm. here on the Upper East Side. And no, the quote-unquote learning specialist had no clue about any of it. So it was really mothers that guided. But to your question, I was just, she always came first. Mm-hmm. And taking care of, you should. know, advocating for her came first. And learning everything and I could about that came first. So that's what you, you delved into. You told me that early on, you yeah. know, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, that was your major focus, and that's how you learned about the whole ADD um, diagnosis and and what comes from that. That was exactly, very very challenging. Right. Yeah, but learn it was challenging. It was very painful because I had no clue. So I was in a lot of fear, and I didn't know, quote unquote, what I was doing. However, my gut was my. In looking back on it now, it's like my gut sort of led me in the right direction, mm-hmm. and it was painful in terms of questions, in terms of court, and in terms of going through the school system and the, both the pro- public school and private school, and advocating and educating teachers, and that's how I learned about. It. That's how I learned to speak up about it. That's how I learned what the it was and what we needed to do. Uh, you know, today, like a rock star, you would, you know. Right. Early intervention, you know, for parents that are, it's not about our ego. It's about taking care of our kids. And as they get compensatory strategies early on, it, it sort of is out the plane. They don't, it's not even a, an issue for her. Mm-hmm. So she, she overcome it because, well, and you were her advocate. Not all children have advocates like, like you, which, right. Yes. right. And you have to mm-hmm. be their cheerleader. And you were early on in that and you're in New York. So, you know, all the other people out there and I I have had friends with um, children with ADD and um, fortunately you know in my experience those parents were advocates for their children too and it's usually the mom it's oh it's, uh, I don't know why that percent. is why do you th- mm-hmm. why do you think that a is a million percent in fact that was my story too because I don't shouldn't go there I don't think however I'm, uh, married, that's okay. a long time. <laughs> I'm married for 31 years and I love my wow. husband. Um, it's a man, you know, it's sort of, we have extrasensory perception. You know, we have estrogen and we have different perceptions, mm-hmm. most of us. And we have intuition and mother's intuition. And sometimes it's not logical. And I think right. men are more logical, right? And so if I'm saying something, it's like, what are you, crazy? None of the pieces overtly lined up, you know, because she was like social and cute and smart mm-hmm. and they moved her ahead so it's like what are you talking about that there's something wrong you know and i i didn't have any ego in the game mm-hmm. so it wasn't about and i think that's an issue with a lot of parents that our own ego can get in the way that we don't ever want to think there's anything wrong with our kid and that's a big problem well especially when you've you've identified that there is something and the teachers are telling you that there's something wrong you know you have to well, actually get to in the my case the teachers were not oh no, I so was the did, one going saying, "Isn't there something? There's something here that doesn't make sense to me. She's not reading right, not sounding through words, or she's not sitting and playing with puzzle. There's something." And they said to me, "You're crazy." The educators, everybody kept telling my husband I was crazy. And long story short, I just stuck with it because my I went with my intuition. And mm-hmm. the ultimately, we had her tested outside psychology, covered a lot of things that I had never heard of before, and the the school principal 
came back to me and said, you know what, Nancy, good persevering because mm-hmm. you were right. And They actually said that to you, and they admitted that. That's that's 100%. monumental. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. So that was like an aha moment for you. Yep, yep. And so to all moms, and, you know, I know this is a, you know, female-centered conversation here, it's mm-hmm. just listen to your gut. Be the advocate for your kid and listen to what you're not what what seems logical, but your intuition, your gut will tell you if there's an issue that, and every issue doesn't have to be a huge, big, life-altering issue. Just be Mm -hmm. sensitive to it and and explore it. And I think that's the best way to support kids. Absolutely. Um, I have a question for you with your children, um, with your daughter. What um, virtue or value have you instilled in your daughter? What comes first to mind? What comes first to mind is what I told mm-hmm. her from the very beginning, still do to this day. I'm not a mind reader. Dad's not a mind. If you need help, I will always get that. Don't sit and try to figure everything out. Ask for help. That's that's terrific advice. Um, and she's fully functioning now, more than fully functioning. At 29, you said. So you've yeah, done a more great than job. Fully. Yeah, more yeah. than fully functioning. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and she still, that's great. you know, she still does that when she needs help. She goes to her manager, and she is a manager now, and she knows that it's okay to ask for help. Very often for so many of us, very challenging. Right, right. Well, you've done a great job with her, it mm-hmm. sounds like. Um, how about any special offerings or books, um, Nancy, that you want to tell our listeners about? Um, let's see. There's a – I actually just got – I just, somebody just told me about this book. It's by this guy, Kevin Cruz, K-R-U-S-E, and it's called – 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. And he interviewed billionaires, athletes, students, and entrepreneurs to find out. And as a, you know, I, I, he actually just sent me a, a copy, and it's fabulous. And it's one of the more innovative, you know, because time management can get a little dull, you know, and we work in this field. Um, and I think it's innovative and fresh, and, and it's very real. Right. And, it's exciting because he's saying all the same stuff I do in my work all the time anyway. <laughs> That's great. It validates what what you're throwing out there in the world, too. How Absolutely. can our listeners get, get in touch with you? Oh, great. So our listeners can get in touch with me by the easiest way is to go onto my website, which is my name, nancysnell, S-N-E-L-L dot com. My blog is on there. And it's called mm-hmm. The Distracted Executive. Get to it right from there. And there are a lot of great posts about productivity. And I've interviewed a, few, a bunch of people, so I have theories going there. And uh, that's really the best way. Or, you know, through the website, my phone is always available. And um, I'd love to, to have a – I offer always a 15-minute a discovery conversation, see if, if we're a match, if anybody's interested in, in – mm-hmm sort of getting out of misery and getting stuff done so they could always reach out and, and set Well, I know I'll be reaching out for that 15 minutes. <laughs> I could definitely that use that. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy, so great. much for being on the show. You've been terrific. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I've been talking with Nancy Snell, and we are going to be taking a short break, so please stay tuned. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast. And here are some of the first words. Hertenew oncogen, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in sight. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me. Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the- where you can learn how to say all those breasts. Find out at breastcancer.org. 
You can learn more about your particular doctor and your treat. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor and get all kinds of other information to guide you and breast first place to go out.